Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 8 tonight. We'll be praying for Lacey. Uh, Lacey uh, and Barry just left. Lacey's not feeling well. She was hoping to be able to stay, but not feeling well tonight. I meant to mention that during prayer, prayer requests as well. We'll be praying for Lacey's health. Brother Colton mentioned the Preachers and Workers Conference and uh, uh, we're looking for Wednesday night there. Uh, we're at mentioned signing up for that. We also need not only to know who's coming, we need some help. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you're here in the evenings or during the days, uh, we have uh, a uniform for you to wear. Uh, the uniform is, is, is just going to be a hat, but we've got a, a hat we need you to wear. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to need some help with several things uh, during the day and also the evening sessions. We're going to need help with uh, greeting folks as they come in. Uh, we're going to need help with uh, uh, the snacks and the coffee. Uh, how many of you volunteer to drink and eat all the snacks and coffee? There we go. we got plenty of help, and uh, we will need some help throughout the conference. So. Uh, please, if you would, if you'd sign up, that will help us know uh, who's available. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about an unusual passage, uh, an unusual man, and an unusual circumstance here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24 tonight. If you'll turn there with me, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24. And I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to look at some thoughts from this. Uh, and I'll, well, let's just look at the passage here to begin with, and we'll go from there. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 9, if you follow along with me. There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria. Let me stop here just for a moment. Uh, the sorcery here, by the way, uh, I believe the very real, very much the way the sorcery of the uh, of the sorcerers in Egypt was very real, not by the power of God, but by the power of the devil himself. Mm -hmm. And understand, as we speak about the sorcerer uh, Simon, we, too often you know, we imagine uh, Mickey Mouse with a pointy hat on and waving a wand. And uh, we're not talking about a comic here. Not talking about something that is. Uh, light-hearted or something that is uh, a small thing, but a very serious matter, a very uh, wicked and evil man. And it goes on to say there in verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the last to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. When they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them only. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through 
laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the goal of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of those things that you have spoken come upon me. Let's pray together. Lord, we find an unusual passage, an unusual circumstance in the midst of great victory in the city of Samaria. Lord, I pray that you would use your word tonight, your teaching, to help us, to encourage us, to warn us. Lord, I pray that we would be yielded to your spirit and to your leading as we look together. Lord, I pray that your will be done in this place tonight. Lord, help us to serve you. Help us to honor you. May you be glorified with our life. May you be glorified in our praise and our fellowship and the teaching of your word tonight. In your name we pray. The fact that we have so many verses in our King James Bible here devoted to this passage, this story of this man, Simon the Sorcerer, I believe says that God has some lessons for us to see. Uh, the last few verses of, uh, in this chapter are, the first few verses, I should say, in chapter 8 are, are victory. Uh, we see some blessings there. And we see there was great joy because of the uh, movement that was afoot in Samaria in verse 4. Uh, we see that people were getting saved. We see there was a great revival in Samaria. Uh, people were being converted. Some were being healed. Others were being delivered of evil spirits. Uh, our first reference to Simon is here in verses 9 through 11. And the Bible speaks of him as a powerful sorcerer. A man, if you'll notice the words here, it says that he was a great one. Uh, it also says that to whom in verse 10, they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, notice what was said of Simon the sorcerer in Samaria, this man is the great power of God. Not he has the great power of God. The testimony of Samaria about this sorcerer, this wicked man who was a tool in the hand of Satan himself, was they said he is the power of God. Now we see that. We see he heard the preaching. He, he heard the message. He saw the results of what was happening in Samaria. And the Bible says that he believed uh, that he was baptized. He made a profession. Uh, he was baptized. Uh, then, can you imagine, we read tonight, Brother Colton, uh, the letter 
uh, from Brother Ocampo, the things happening uh, there in the Philippines and the blessings and how exciting it is to hear the news. Imagine the news that Philip sent to Jerusalem. Hey, I've uh, been preaching. People are getting saved. Uh, not only people getting saved, the sorcerer got saved. We baptized him. Imagine all the stories that were coming back to the church at Jerusalem from Samaria. And Peter and John, the Bible tells us here in verse 14 through 17, they left Jerusalem. Remember, everyone's leaving. People are leaving Jerusalem, and they're going. Everywhere they're going, they're preaching the gospel. They're leaving for fear of the persecution. But the apostles didn't leave. And we see here that they go to Samaria. They go to see what's happened. Uh, they go to examine it. Uh, and they prayed for the people. They laid their hands on the people. They received the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is received upon believing. I want you to hold your place here. Just a, just a quick Bible study in John 14 and Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this from the Acts four, or John 14 and verse 16 and 17. Follows verse 15 where Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another, notice the capital word, comforter. That word comforter is capitalized because that's a person. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that he may abide with you forever. And then it clarifies it even more in verse 17. Even the capital S, Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Understand the picture here. While Jesus was in the, uh, on the, wor in the world, before the crucifixion, uh, before he would uh, be crucified, rise again, ascend to the Father, come back, and then finally uh, go back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was in the world, was with them, but was not in them. And Jesus said, after I go, he's going to be in you. We're not going to take time to look back, but we can look at Acts chapter 2. Actually, I'll read it quickly for you. You're not far away. Go there with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and verse 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are far off. Now I want you to notice, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we see the picture here. Jesus promises Holy Spirit to come and live in us. We see as many as he calls, and we see this happening here. Now in verse 24... Uh, if you will, from verse 17 in our text, if you want to turn back there in Acts chapter 8, from verse 17 down through verse 24, we find the rest of the story of Simon the sorcerer. Now, before we begin tonight, I do not want to claim to understand every nuance of Scripture. Uh, I, I don't want to stand up here tonight and say, I... Whatever I say, this is the way it is for sure. I, I understand this is a, a bit of an unusual passage, a bit of an unusual circumstance. Uh, it may be 
that Simon truly got saved. I, I don't believe that's the case from the passage. Uh, but I want to say up front before we look into this passage that I, I don't think that is the absolute only black and white have to look at it this way. But I believe we can some learn some things from this passage and from the, this experience with Simon the sorcerer tonight. Uh, number one, as we think about Simon the sorcerer and the situation that would happen in Samaria, we must be prepared for disappointments in God's work. We must be prepared for disappointments in God's work. We read tonight a wonderful letter from Brother Ocampo of the blessings of God. But I know Brother Ocampo well enough to know that if you ask him uh, if he's ever had any struggles or any disappointments, he'd say, oh yeah. You could ask Brother Jim tonight, ministry 30 years? How many years now? 34? He's had a couple of disappointments. One of them was a guy that moved here from West Virginia that disappointed him. Uh, but uh, they're disappointments. We need to expect disappointments, even in God's work. Difficulties in the work of God. Imagine how Philip must have been thrilled. I mean, when he went and started preaching in Samaria, there were a lot of obstacles to the gospel in Samaria. There was the obstacle of most people looking at Philip and going, you're not like us. <laughs> we, there was a cultural obstacle. There was a religious obstacle. You know, we believe we should worship here in this mountain. You believe you should worship in Jerusalem. There was a sin obstacle. It was a because of sin, there were some things in play in that city. We know there was the woman at the well that had been living in adultery and Maybe that was common. Maybe that was a normal thing in that culture. We don't know. We do know that in that city there was a wicked man named Simon that the people looked at and said, that's the power of God. And as Philip preached, there were many who said, no, I follow Simon the sorcerer. But Simon preached and people got saved. Not because Simon was, uh, not because Philip preached, not because Philip was a great preacher, Philip had a great message in the great Holy Spirit. People got saved. The gospel works. And imagine, if you will, what Philip must have thought when Simon came to him. And I, and I believe, I, I'm sure Simon came directly to Philip. I'm sure of it. And he said, hey, I believe that. I want to be part of this. I'm sure that he was excited. I guarantee you he couldn't wait. He thought, man, I'm going to get this guy to go with me to every city. I'm going to give me, before I get up and preach, I'm going to have him give his testimony. The next city we go to, we know Philip later on is Philip the Evangelist. But it was a great letdown, no doubt, for Philip. A great letdown. A discouragement in the work of God. There was a setback when Peter and John came and the scene was challenged with the reality of Simon, and I believe the fact that it was nothing more than a false profession, nothing more than a man trying to manipulate his situation. 
Nothing more than a man saying, what can I get out of this for myself? How is that? Why is it we must be prepared for discouragement in God's work? Number or letter A tonight, Satan's very active. Satan's very active. Very active. Whenever God's at work, so is the devil. So is the devil. It's always working. He tries to counterfeit everything that God does. And can I tell you that the devil would not want to let go of his choice servant quite so easily. There was a battle, struggle. Satan was very active. Christian, let's not forget, and I mentioned this Sunday night, but we are engaged in spiritual warfare. If we could see, if God would open our eyes and we could see as the servant of the prophet was given, his eyes open. If we could see the spiritual battle around us, it would probably terrify us. But we are in spiritual battle. But praise the Lord, although the battle around us would terrify us, like the servant of the prophet, we would see the angel of the Lord. We would see the protection of the Lord. But it is a spiritual battle. Not only is Satan very active, but Letter B, why do we have disappointments? Because sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes disappointments come because we make the mistakes. We cause the problem. I remember hearing a phone call. I heard half of it. I heard the rest after the phone call. I was with my neighbor one day. His wife called him. I found out later what the call, how it went. I heard his end, but I found out later. She called and said, hey, I just put diesel in your gas Jeep. Is that okay? That's what he heard that I didn't hear. I heard some words that I'm not going to repeat, Brother Jim. Uh, after that, he was, ah, what are you doing? And had to tow it home, and he and I, it was completely full he and I dropped that full gas tank that had diesel in it, completely dropped it and drained it out. We used that diesel to start a lot of fires in our backyards over the years after that. But we had to clean it out and rinse it and, and oh. But it wasn't something that somebody else caused. It was they caused it themselves. It was a mistake. It wasn't on purpose. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we make mistakes in ministry and we cause some discouragement, some disappointments. You know, possibly, we don't know from the passage, and I don't think it matters for the passage, but for application, it could be that Philip was so much wanting the people to follow what he was preaching that he didn't really take the time with Simon as he should have. But sometimes we make the mistakes. Not only that, letter C, sometimes there's personal disappointment in God's work because there are some lessons we can only learn through experience. Some lessons you only learn through experience. Sometimes there are things that we only learn the hard way. The baptistry up here, we 
for the Colton. We need to put some water in before Sunday. But the first time I went to top up the baptistry a little bit, we had a work day here at the church. Brother Monty, were you here? Do you remember that? I know Bernard was here because he saved the church. Uh, it was almost like the days of Noah. But we're here doing some painting or something, and I put the water hose in there, and it takes a while. You know, it's not like you put it in and it fills up. You put it in and wait, 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 wait. And I put it in, and we got busy. We're doing and cleaning. And all of a sudden, I heard Brother Bernard, Pastor! The water, water was coming over the glass into the, the choir area. And I came running and shut it off, and we got a mop bucket and a mop, and we're getting the water, and it was a mess. It was a mess. But you know, I have never one time filled the baptistry and not thought as I've put the water hose in, okay, i got to watch this. You only do it one time. First time I had Brother Colton fill it up, I think. He, he tried to outdo me. Uh, I think he put 16 feet of water in the basement and flooded. Our water bill was $3,000 that month. No, it, 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 it overflooded a little bit like it did when I did it, and water came through. And I told him, I said, don't worry. I said, Colton, it's great that you did that one time. You know why? I'll never do it again. Never do, please, I'll never do it again. <laughs> but there's some things you, you learn the hard way. Sometimes in ministry, we make mistakes. But I praise God for a God that doesn't toss us away, that doesn't kick us to the side. He's perfect. He knows we're not. And rather, he wants us to grow. And I, I love that picture here. It's an unusual passage, a difficult situation. But I think, I think Philip learned greatly from it. You know, we make sure we don't make the same mistakes again. Philippians chapter 3, I read for you very quickly. Philippians 3.13 Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind. Praise God for that verse. Amen. And reaching forward to those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we get beaten down by disappointment. Sometimes we get a bit gun-shy. Sometimes we say, what's the point? Sometimes we need to forget the past. The discouragements. You know what? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna trust the Lord. I said we need to be prepared for discouragements in God's work. Number two. Satan invariably shows himself after times of blessing. You can look through Scripture. You find that God's people went to Jericho. They marched around the walls of Jericho. They obeyed the Lord. They brought the Ark of the Covenant before them. They obeyed what God said. They took over the city. The walls came tumbling down, as our kids say. Now, what a victory. There's no bigger victory for God's people as they came into the promised land than Jericho. I mean, Jericho, that's like stepping in the ring with the world champion and 
knocking them out with one punch. I mean, really, if you think about it, it was a great victory. It, it was the, the tithe city. It, it was the, the city of blessing that God gave to them. What happened after that? AI. Achan sin. The devil reared his head. God's people faced some problems and difficulties. Every time we come to a mountain peak and a high point in ministry, always watch. Always be ready. The devil is always ready to show himself. In verse 8, we read, and there was great joy in that city. Then verse 9 says, but there was a certain man called Simon. Great joy. And then Simon the sorcerer. Followed together. We move to a hostile work of Simon here. After a man's been converted, supposedly. Time of dedication and testimony. We better look for the enemy. We better watch for it. Matthew, I turn back very quickly here. Matthew chapter 4. And verse number 1. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit to the wilderness. This is after he fasted 40 days. Or he's going to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. This is after he was baptized. After the Spirit of God rests upon him and a voice from heaven was heard saying, Behold my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. After the disciples had been on the Mount Transfiguration, they came down in the valley and they faced a situation where the devil was at work. Luke 9, we won't take time to go there. But the devil was working. What's our safeguard? What's our safeguard from the devil? James 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth great to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Stay close to God. Don't lift yourself up. When Hannah was little, well, she's still little. But when Hannah was real little, her sisters had a bunk bed. It was the ugliest bunk bed that was ever made. It was a full-size bed on the bottom, a twin bed on top. It was the metal tube-frame bunk beds. You know what I'm talking about? Most of you had one growing up. We painted it cotton candy, pink, and blue splotch. It was the ugliest. It was hideous. I should have been arrested for how ugly that was. And you probably saw it, Josh, when you're, you know, you better not have been in the bedroom. Anyway, I digress. But Hannah was not allowed to climb the ladder to the top bunk because she was little and we didn't want her to get hurt. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't witness it. My wife did. The girls will remember. And they can tell me I'm not sure I'm not going to get it right, but 
I guess she climbed the ladder while they were in there and said something like, hey, guys, look at me. And as soon as she said that, whatever the words she said, she fell, Brother Jim, and she cried. She's been crying for 6, 7, 10, 12 years since. Uh, she got to the top, hey, look at, and fell. A lot of times we do that. We get to the top. I got this. No problem. Christians, stay close to God. In the victory time, stay close to God. The devil invariably wants to show himself. Praise God, we're more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him. Number three, another thought from teaching here in Acts 8. True conversion has to do with the heart, not only the head. Can I tell you, if I could bring a demon out of hell onto the platform tonight, and I could question that demon, and I could ask that demon, do you believe in Jesus Christ? The answer of the demon would be, yes, I believe. He would be shaking and trembling. Yes, I believe in Jesus. The Bible says even the devils believe and tremble. But that belief and belief for salvation are two totally different things. There are many supposed men of history, men of academia, who believe in Jesus Christ. Because the record that there was a Jesus Christ is irrefutable. But they don't believe in him for salvation. It's not simply believing in Christ. Brother Ahmad's in B.C., but you could ask him when he gets back. When Brother Ahmad was a, a Muslim for 37 years of his life, he believed in Jesus. He believed Jesus was a prophet. He had no doubt he believed in Jesus as a prophet. But he did not believe on him for salvation. Many of you could testify tonight. I'm sure Brother Jeff could testify. We were just talking about a salvation of the day. Brother Jeff heard the gospel. He, he believed the Bible. But it took him a while to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you experience the same thing. You believe Jesus. But this man, the Bible says he believed, but there's a difference, and this is vital. The convert, true conversion, salvation, has to do with the heart, not just the head. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just believing in. I can say I believe in that chair, but until I put myself in it, I believe on this chair that it will hold me. That's when I'm believing on the chair. Jesus Christ, we need to believe on him. This man believed, it says, in verse 21, it says there, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. This is Peter speaking. For thy heart 
Notice the word there. Thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Peter didn't say your head knowledge isn't right. He didn't say what you've heard isn't right. Peter said your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. We see here that this man, I believe, and I and I, again I preface by saying I it's not my job to determine whether this man was truly saved or truly lost, but I believe from scripture we can concur. I believe that he was lost. I I think that he believed simply with his head, not with his heart. The devils believe, as I mentioned in James 2. Question tonight. It doesn't matter whether or not this man believed or his belief because it's too late for him. Simon the sorcerer has been dead for probably almost 2,000 years. But do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your salvation real? Have you truly trusted him? Or is it just a a nodding, tipping of the mental hat for you. I, I believe in Jesus. Number four, as we think about Simon the sorcerer, there is a need for teaching as well as for evangelizing. We see here this man, Simon the sorcerer, I believe, made a profession without possession. And I don't know that it was anything to do with Philip. I don't know that it wasn't. But we do need to be very careful, especially, especially someone who is just hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time. We need to be very careful to teach very plainly the truth. And to share the gospel and plainly uh, proclaim it. So important. Acts chapter 8 in verse 36. If you want to look there quickly. Verse 36 it says, And they went on their way. They came to a certain water. And this is the story of Philip as he was preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, hold on a minute. This is not very long after the situation with Simon the sorcerer. Simon the Philip had baptized. Verse 37, and Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Simon said, If you truly believe. Or Philip said, if you truly believe here to this man, he wanted to make sure this man understood the gospel. He wanted to make sure this man truly had trusted Jesus Christ. And how wonderful that he had time to, to say, hey, the only thing that stops you is if you believed. By the way, that's the only hindrance to anybody being baptized. If you believe. If you believe with, all, believe with your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been truly born again. Number five, and I close with this last thought here. God's servants 
must be uncompromisingly faithful to each other and to the fellow men. Can I tell you what would have happened in most cities, in most Baptist churches, if the situation that took place in Acts chapter 8 took place today? Philip and Peter would have gotten a fight. A big bunch of people said, man, I, I, I follow Peter. I think Peter's a better, I think he's, he's more doctrinally right here. No, 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 I think Philip's right. There would have been a power struggle. There would have been a battle. But I praise God we don't see that here in this passage. Because Peter wasn't coming to give Philip a hard time. Peter wasn't coming to doubt. Peter was coming to encourage and to edify and to help. And sometimes in that edification, understand we have to ask the question, what's right in this situation? Peter would have done a great disservice had he looked over this man looking to gain and looking to, uh, to use his supposed testimony for profit, Peter would have done a great disservice had he not said, hey, this needs to be dealt with. Years ago, we were, had gone to the U.S. to visit family for a couple days. Carrie and the girls stayed. I flew back. While I was there, I noticed... An infection in both my legs, about right here. I had a red spot that came up, and my legs were getting red, and they were swelling. Sunday, I went to preach, and when I was preaching Sunday, my legs were like balloons, and I was in a lot of pain, and several people said, Pastor, you need to go to the hospital. I said, yeah, I'll go, I'll go tomorrow. So Monday came, and I was in a lot of pain. My legs were ridiculously swollen. I went to the hospital and I said, hey, I said, I got I don't know, something, something going on here that needs to be dealt with. The doctors looked at my legs and they said, Mr. Rice, you're going to lose your legs. Like if you hadn't come here, you might have literally, we might have had to cut your legs off. And they found out that I had a staph infection in my legs and I had a strep infection in both my big toes, Tim. I had to deal with that at the same time. Uh, I had infection in my toes, infection in my legs, and they said, had you not come in, you would have lost your legs. Now, when I go into the, into the hospital and they said, oh, it's bad, but you know, it's okay. If you don't want to do anything, just go home. Oh, good. I don't, I don't want to do anything. I want to go home. I'm happy you let me go home. That would have been the wrong thing to do. Why? There was a problem. It desperately needed to be dealt with. And praise God they dealt with it. Praise God they helped me. Christian Peter was a great help here. But there wasn't a conflict of personal interest. Rather, it was Peter trying to help for the cause of Christ. And as Christians, when we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, if we get our focus on ourselves and we think it's about us, if Philip had said, hey, this is, man, this is about me. Peter, get out of here. But I believe we see a wonderful picture of servants of God working together, laboring together for that which is right here in this passage.
It's been said, one man said one time, I like my pastor, he doesn't spare me. In other words, if there's an issue, he helps me with it. If you have a Christian friend that helps you and encourages you and points out some issues that need to be dealt with in life, you have a dear friend. A dear friend. Proverbs chapter 27. I'll read there quickly. Just a couple more quick, quick things I want to give you and we'll close. But Proverbs 27 and verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Let us always remember, and Christian, don't, don't forget this. We're not the final judge of other people's position in the sight of God. God's not hiring judges. He, he does that all by himself. He doesn't need your help or my help. What a wonderful and hopeful verse. I want you to close out with Acts 8, verse 24. Acts 8, verse 24. This, this is a great verse. I love this. Or excuse me, let's go back to uh, verse 22. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Peter here says, hey, you need to get right with God. There was an opportunity there. Simon the sorcerer had an opportunity to get right. I, I believe he had a chance here to truly be converted and truly trust the Lord, believe on the Lord. But notice what he says there in verse 24. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of those things which you have spoken come unto me. He never prayed. He said, ah, Peter, you do it for me. You do something. Christian, we need to realize that we need to always hold out the gospel. Peter, even this man who wanted to sell the power of God, he held out the gospel, said, repent, believe. And yet the man refused to do so. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, the man who saw the Lord high and lifted up. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This morning when I went outside, everything covered in frost. Everything was white. Everything. My car was white. The ground was white. Everything was white. Just covered. I praise God that the blood of Christ can cover my sin. The blood of Christ could cover the sins of Simon the sorcerer. The blood of Christ can cover any sin if we just keep proclaiming it Christians we need to work together as to serve the Lord and be looking out not looking to judge but looking to give out the gospel every opportunity let's pray together Lord help us as we continue following along the gospel going forth in the book of Acts 
Lord, may we realize that you're not done yet. May we be reminded that you want us to keep the, the keep carrying forth the gospel and keep proclaiming it just as Peter did, just as Philip did. And Lord, and as we serve you, there'll be some odd situations, there'll be some discouragements, there'll be some difficulty. The devil's surely going to raise his head up. And Lord, if we're not careful, we'll let others cause a problem because we'll get ourselves lifted up. And Lord, I pray that we would simply be humbled, that we would stay close to you, and that we would just keep proclaiming the message of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, bless us as we're dismissed. And may you be glorified this evening. In your precious name we pray.